You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Purpose Chasers. Welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. And as promised, I am back with an all new show, all new guest, and I'm super excited for you guys to hear from these amazing people that will be coming on for the next few weeks and into the new year. But for this episode, I have with me Leah and Sheldon Robinson. Okay, Leah and Sheldon Robinson definitely put a smile on my face when I went to their page and saw what they were doing with regards to marriage ministry. So let me just give you a little background. Leah and Sheldon say it all started at a small Bible college on the south side of Indy. God certainly had a sense of humor because he could not have put two more different people together. Leah, an introvert, Sheldon, an extrovert. Leah, growing up in the country, and Sheldon, in the city. The only real thing that they had in common was a love for God and a desire to do his work. Two and a half years later, they were married and determined to have a thriving marriage. What became very apparent to them shortly after their wedding day was that marriage was hard. Not only did they have personality differences, but the way that they communicated, thought, and expressed love were all different too. Instead of staying frustrated with each other, they decided to accept their differences and learn more about each other. They saw that the differences God placed in them is actually what makes them the perfect team. What they do now is help others to create thriving marriages by mirroring biblical principles, teaching the major differences between the sexes, and helping others to see that their differences are actually what makes them the perfect team. Let's welcome Leah and Sheldon to the show. Leah and Sheldon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited to talk to you and to have you on the podcast, especially with all that you're doing with your marriage ministry. I know on the podcast in the past, we've talked a lot with our singles, but I also wanted to talk to our married women and men who listen to as well. So before we get into the conversation, I want you both to tell us a fun fact about you that is not in your bio. Well, I love baking, pies, cookies, all the things. Mm -hmm. I actually create created this apple pie recipe that basically anyone who tries it says it's like <laughs> the best apple pie they've ever had. Oh, so thanks. not tooting on my own horn, but I am kind <laughs> of, I love baking. I would say for me, I was an avid table tennis player. <laughs> and wow. Yeah, I kind of picked it up in college and got pretty good somehow. So <laughs> you're kind of like a legend at the college. I am. Now. Like people just kind of yeah, speak your it's name. Weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the table tennis. <laughs> yeah. 
True. Those are both really cool fun facts. I am not much of a baker, but my husband is. And I'm sure he would love your apple pie recipe. That sounds (laughs) absolutely amazing. And table tennis, that definitely requires coordination which I tend to lack, (laughs) but good for you. That sounds exciting. So we heard in your bio that you started this marriage ministry where you do marriage coaching. What led you to start that ministry? And before you even get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you guys met? Yep. So I'll start off with how we met. We met at a small private Bible college uh, here in Indianapolis, where we're located. It's called Indiana Bible College. Shout Indiana out to Bridal College. Yeah, and it's Indiana <laughs> Bridal College for the uh, kind of a local uh, nickname for it. Uh, shout out to IVC. <laughs> yeah. And so I believe, what was I, a sophomore? Mm-hmm. And she came in the year after me and pretty much started hanging out almost right away. They had what they call a uh, icebreaker social. And uh, Leah really broke the ice. So. I was hardcore flirting. <laughs> I didn't think I ever had a chance with him, and so I was I was like blocking him from <laughs> playing mini, mini golf. golf yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just just hardcore flirting. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so kind of hit it off right away, and pretty much boyfriend and girlfriend shortly thereafter. I would mm-hmm. say, yeah. So that's how we met. Indiana Bible College, Indiana Bridal. Yeah. <laughs> So from Indiana Bible College to marriage ministry, how did you two get into that? So honestly, we've always had like a burden, a passion for relationships. And we we actually like created this fun little photo session of like the to do's and not to do's while like you're Christians dating. One of them was like, you need to not see the spine of your Bible, but like the long part, like in between how far you sit close to each other. Anyways, there were a lot of fun little things that we did in that, but just something looking back. But honestly, I've always, I've always had a dream to become a marriage counselor, but after going through Bible college and then like realizing all the extra schooling that it was going to take to that, it just didn't really seem in the cards for what we were doing. And as time went on, I never really like lost that desire, but somehow the Lord just opened the idea of marriage coaching to me. And as I was looking more into it, I realized like that fit me and Sheldon more than marriage counseling would have. And so I brought it up to him and he was like, babe, yes, like we need to do this. So we wanted to do it right. So we went ahead and we got certified, went through all the training because marriages are a really big deal. And it's important that you go into it with some kind of like professional, you just want to know what you're doing because you don't want to mess with people's lives. You know, marriage is so it's foundational. It's important. And yeah, just really want it to be a good resource for people, I think. So I think that's that's definitely really important. And you're right. Marriages are a big deal. But one of the things that I have noticed just as time has gone by marriage to be married is more taboo at this point than not to be married. I find a lot of people, the millennial age group, well, most importantly, they tend to, and the ones going down, don't believe in marriage. The way relationships are are developing right now, it's, it's just looking so different and so unique and hard for me to, to get a grasp of. I mean, first it was just, you know, there was marriage and now there's couples and throuples and all sorts of things yeah. in between that I can't <laughs> quite keep up with. 
So why is it, why is marriage important? And also why should we, we, why should we get married? So I would say marriage, basically marriage is the foundational institution through which God shapes a society, right? You get married in God's design, right? We're speaking specifically from a Christian perspective, God's design, you get married and you produce children and you rear those children in the fear and admonition of God send them off and they do the same thing. And that's how society is supposed to be shaped, men and women to the children. When you sort of let go of that and you kind of sort of lose that sort of foundation, and then you kind of get what we have <laughs> in America where uh, chaos sort of, <laughs> sort of ensues. Mm-hmm. So I think there's enough evidence, at least to say from a secular standpoint, that the way it's going isn't the way it ought to be. <laughs> Trying to trying to be very uh trying to select my words pretty wisely here <laughs> how I want to put this but yeah so and 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 so kind of just the evidence alone sort of I would say stands in favor of a traditional family the traditional family structure speaking about millennials and things like that where you kind of millennials and younger it kind of started I think big time with Generation X mm-hmm. uh, before you know I'm a millennial you're a millennial so she's like a tail in she like just crossed the line a millennial from Gen Z but kind of started, I feel like a lot with Generation X and kind of seeing their parents sort of have something better to do other than being a parent. Mm-hmm. And I think they harbored a lot of resentment in a lot of ways mm-hmm. on that, where they kind of threw it out the window. And then everything else is just sort of a tailspun from there. But it's like, you have to take an honest look at it. Okay, are things better now with shacking up and, you know, all these other types of relationships? Like, is society moving <laughs> to a more ordered place or disorder, right? And mm-hmm. I think it's pretty obvious. <laughs> Got other directions that in. So yeah. Don't add anything big. No, I think that sums it up very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. It, it marriage is the foundational institution for society. And when it's done right, a society can flourish. Mm-hmm. But what we are seeing, I think, all around the world is it not being done right and mm-hmm. all the repercussions that we get dealt with. Um, in my in my day-to-day work, in my nine to five, I'm a prosecutor. So what I deal with is a lot of issues that stand um stemmed mm-hmm. from foundational breakdowns at home that led little Johnny and little Sally down the wrong path. And then we are dealing with them five, 10, 15, 20 years later, because what was meant to be a safe space at home was never created for them. So I completely agree with what you're saying. So we we have marriage and we have marriage, I would say, the way the world sees marriage. And then we have marriage the way God has intended for marriage to be. What is important and why is it important for us to mirror God's intended design and his biblical principles for marriages today and for a Christian marriage? Well, honestly, if you're a Christian and you're trying to live like Christ, then you need to follow his word. And he literally lays out the foundation of how a marriage should look and go. And if we ignore that, can we really call ourselves Christians if we're not mm-hmm. following what Christ has given us? Mm-hmm. And, I would, and I'll come at it from this standpoint, right? Um, Marriage is not easy. Mm-mm. Okay. Is it fulfilling? Absolutely. Can it bring you, can you find joy in it? A hundred percent, but it's not easy. And then the other side of the coin is neither being lonely and alone. 
right? That's hard too, right? Mm-hmm. Divorce is hard. If you do get married and it's not working out, like that whole process, the effects on the, the kids and anything else involved, uh, the financial burden of it. Mm-hmm. So all those options are difficult. But if I'm going to do the fulfilling difficult option of being married, then at least use the cheat sheet. Like it's an open book <laughs> test. You know what I mean? Like I got a whole Bible sitting right here letting me know, give me insight from a physiological standpoint, uh, attitudes, mindsets and everything. Like use the cheat sheet. All right. You know, consult the engineer, the guy who designed the darn thing who's giving you all these, you know, how to's and apply that and then watch how it blesses your life. So that's why it's important. You know, if you're going to have holy matrimony, let's keep the holy God <laughs> at the center of it. So that's a great way to put it. I, I've never thought of it as the cheat sheet. And um, <laughs> you said it right. Marriage is not easy. I remember talking to a friend earlier. And one of the things that I realized that a lot of people think when they're single is that when they get married, everything is going to be <laughs> unicorns and fluffy ponies. Right. Not right. understanding that <laughs> marriage is a process Mm-hmm. And your spouse is usually a mirror <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to you and some things you don't want to talk about and you don't want to mm-hmm. deal with. And you have to make a choice. I find every single day that not only am I going to love this person, but I'm going to stick inside this relationship, inside this marriage and commit to working it out, whether we're having a great day or whether we're not having a, 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 a good day, whether, you know, we're all communication is going well, or as we like to call it, we're having a nice, you know, heated debate <laughs> but that we, we still remember to put God first in our marriage. So what is one of the biblical principles that you feel that most people tend to leave out or easily forget about when looking at their, their marriage? I would say the love and respect principle. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find this in Ephesians 5. When we look at the psychology of men and women, men want to feel respected and women want to feel loved. And this is literally laid out right in Ephesians 5. <laughs> and when you create this cycle of a woman respecting her husband, the husband wants to love his wife. When the woman feels loved, she wants to respect her husband. And it's just a, a love cycle that goes on and all. Both couples, they'll both members of the relationship, they feel more fulfilled Mm -hmm. when their buckets are full this way. But if we break that cycle and a woman starts disrespecting her husband, then he's going to just feel out of whack. He's going to feel like he's just trying to earn the respect. He's going to try to be gaining respect and Mm -hmm. he won't be able to feel free to love his wife as, as he should, as he Mm -hmm. should in a marriage. And the cycle is just so important to a healthy marriage. We actually really learned this from the book called Love and Respect. Do you remember the author? I don't the remember the author. Nice. The book is called Love and Respect. It's a fantastic book, very Christian-based. I highly recommend it to any Christian couple. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to add? Nope, you said it. <laughs> I, I think that's important, love and respect. But let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. What does respect look like for a man and what does love look like for a woman? Mm-hmm. Yep, so that's an excellent question because there's been a lot of like talked about and written and spoken about in terms of love, right? I mean, yeah, love songs, there's books about it, there's you know, I, I mean, you just just pick your poison, right? There you can always find out, you know, there's romance tips online, you know, just Google like 
love and like, you know, you get a whole host of all kinds of varying results, all of, a lot of which can be good. You know, uh, the five love languages, a lot of people are very familiar with that, but not a lot of people talk about respect. Yeah. Not a lot of people talk about respect. So from a kind of a macro perspective, it looks like what respect in a marriage looks like is my wife recognizing and honoring me as the priest and head of the household. Now, a lot of people might hear that and get turned off, you know, to get a little scared. Oh, we're talking about, you know, head of the house, you know, and they automatically think that means, you know, walking all over everybody, you know, sort of the movie, The Color Purple, or just, you know, you know, all heck breaking loose kind of a thing. And that's, that's, that's not what that's talking about. But so respect looks like sort of uh, a trust in the leadership. Basically, what I like to, the way I like to put it is if there's something major that comes up that's going to affect the direction of the family, you talk about it, you counsel together, and basically the man is going to make the final decision. All that to say, if it goes awry, then yes, it's absolutely on his shoulders. Okay. He, he does have to deal with the consequences of that. But as a man who loves and cherishes his wife, I'm obviously going to only make decisions that are going to benefit us all together. So sometimes it looks like taking some risks. Sometimes it, it may be something as simple as, you know, you know, just you name it, whatever, whatever it looks like, what kid, what school the kid goes to, right? <laughs> something simple like that. Or if a guy has insight, or well, maybe this will be better, instead of us having to have a, a knockout drag out about it, you know, it's kind of, okay, you're the husband, we'll do that. But ultimately those consequences, all that burden falls on the man. So the wife doesn't have to take take on, you know, that sort of thing. So it, it manifests in a lot of ways, but those are just like a couple of like, I don't know, big picture sort of items or whatever. And, and interesting to add to that too, is that when a man knows that his woman is backing him up, that he trusts in her, it allows him the freedom to be the man that God has called him to mm-hmm. be. Because if he's constantly worried about messing up and her just like holding it over his head for That's the rest true. of his life, then he's going to be stuck. He's going to feel frozen and he's just going to be worried about trying not to mess up. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really big deal for a woman to support and love honor her husband in that way. And that really helps him to be the man that God's called him to be. I love how you put that when a man knows that his wife is in his corner, he frees him up to be the man who God has called him to be. And I think that is something that women may need to think on even more, especially because of the modern day where we are now, we are in a society where women are out there you know, they're working. Sometimes they are the breadwinners of their family. And, you know, sometimes it's the husband who's now staying at home with the children and not the wife who's staying at home or the husband's doing the cooking and the wife's doing the children and all sorts of things that are not traditional gender roles. But there are certain things that are important when it comes to marriage. So love and respect from Ephesians 5 is definitely important. But since we touched on respect and how that would look like as far as a man leading his family and not walking all over his wife, I just want to touch on the S word that women hear. And (laughs) it it can go one or two ways. Usually it goes the second way. It's the word submission. (laughs) Yeah. And what what is that and how does that look practically for any woman who is listening? I remember when I was growing up, I would hear 
I'd be in church and the pastor would go on about submission and I had an immediate attitude. I was a teenager. What did I have an attitude at? I have no idea. But I felt like at that point in time, it wasn't explained to me properly. Mm -hmm. And once it was explained to me properly, I was like, oh, that's fine. But how I felt or how it was coming over was a completely different thing when I was younger. So what is submission and how does that look practically for women? I want to start off, I want to, something I like to explain to women is that they're not the only ones expected to submit in society. I think there's a disconnect where they hear submission in the context of a man and a woman that rubs them the wrong way because they think it makes them less than when submission is just the opposite. It's a choice to go along with whatever the leadership is asking, right? And so, so I like to point this out from a cultural perspective. Men grow up with an intimate knowledge of submission. Like me, I had two older brothers. All right. I'm going to take them on. You know, my oldest brother is six years older than me. So he's a lot bigger than I was, obviously, growing up and everything. So we got to understand. But as we got older and everything, uh, there was a respect there, or my opinion still mattered, even though the dude, you know, could beat the snot out of me. Right. There's a lot of men today that are working for a boss that if it came down to it and he had to handle his business, he could absolutely hurt the boss, but he understands that he has a place in society. So that's his boss. So he respects his boss positionally. So even if they disagree on how our project's going to be tackled, if it's blue collar, like how you're going to, you know, the way you're going to work out a certain project or whatever, he submits to that guy's leadership. Men live entirely under the threat of violence. All right. And it's not something going off the, off the beaten path here, but trust me, this all relates. So men live we're raised and we live, we exist under a threat of violence, but society has civilized itself in such a way where that's now kind of a background program. I don't necessarily wake up thinking, oh man, somebody's going to beat the, the stew out of me or whatever, but we get along understanding respect and submission. That's the only way society functions. It's got to be a social contract or else the president of the United States would just be the biggest yoked up, you know, the rock Johnson, because he can just beat the mess out of everything. <laughs> right. But we submit, like imagine being the director on a set, and you're giving directions to the rock, like, no, that scene sucked. We need to redo it. And he's like, all right, we'll reshoot the scene. Even though, you know, Duke could probably bench press a house, he submits to the director because of the position. So men understand submission and we, we live a life submitted to a lot of different things. And so, so I want that to be clear first. So it's not like a, all the men are running wild and the women are just like, you know, at home in a shawl, like, oh, my husband gets home, I'll bake him a pie. Like, that's not at all <laughs> what's going on. Societally, everybody submits to somebody. That's the main point. Mm-hmm. And especially as a Christian, we submit to God. We submit our will to God. I would not be where I am today if I hadn't walked out in faith completely against the natural understanding of how life should work. And just went where God told me to go as an act of submission. Like, all right, Lord, it's in your hands kind of a thing. So all that to say, when you get <laughs> when, you, when you get back to the man and the woman, most men understand on an intimate level of submission. So when they ask of, and the Bible demands, but I say a man ask of because you lead by consent. So when we ask of submission from our wife, it's, yes, a trust aspect mm-hmm. of okay, are you going to do right by me? Because right underneath the verse where it says for wives to submit to their husbands, it tells husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church and, you know, and cherish it and give yourself for it. So from a base level, if I'm going to make the sacrifice of giving up my heart, mind, and body, it may, it might look like working 50, 60 hours a week and going out and fighting all kinds of chaos to make money, to bring home, to take care of my family. At least when I get home, 
I shouldn't have to butt heads, right? <laughs> like, I don't want to have to have another war on the home front. Like, I would rather fight the war outside and come home to peace. Yeah. So all it really looks like is if something comes up, and they kind of touched on it already, where we disagree, trust my leadership. Mm-hmm. That's all. That's all. Even if it's something as simple as, you know, where we're going to go to eat. If it's like this big deal, like for some people, maybe that's a big deal, right? Well, just thinking simple, small examples. But if we disagree, if we're not exactly seeing eye to eye, understanding, okay, you're the priest of the home, you're the head of the house, go for it. And for a man, that does so much for a man. It's not, again, it's not about, we always think worst case scenario, the abusive husband, the, you know, um, I don't want to be a doormat and blah, 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 blah. I think it's important too, to understand that there's an umbrella of authority. Mm -hmm. So there's God, husband, Mm -hmm. wife, children, and so on and so forth. If Mm -hmm. the husband is outside of God, Mm -hmm. of like following the word, like just, I don't know if you want to elaborate on this, but (laughs) (laughs) as long as your husband is like in Mm -hmm. tune with that umbrella of authority, then it's a safety net. Yes, it's a safety net. It's a safety net. And, and, And as a loving husband, I would never ask or demand something of her that's just, you know, out of order. So (laughs) I think that's just important to kind of note, because Mm -hmm. when a lot of people think of submission, like they're thinking of this domineering person. Mm -hmm. And like, if the man is just totally out of whack, like, no, you should not (laughs) follow him off a cliff, for example, (laughs) probably shouldn't do that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I I completely agree with what you both were saying, because I think it's, it's important that with a level of submission, there's also that level of love and respect that you get from your husband. So it's not a dictatorship. There's things that have been, you know, taken under consultation. I think my pastor said to us in our premarital counseling that there are just some things that God has instructed your husband that you are not privy to. Mm -hmm. So that's when that level of trust comes in. But she also said that there are some, there is a certain level of wisdom in your wife that you also need to listen to because there are some things that women, we just pick up on a lot quicker than men. Um, I think that's how God designed us so that we can complement each other. So I think there is a lot of give and take, but as you said, there is all society works with a level of submission. So that is something that I probably would have never thought of. I think it's a good way to put it that there is always a level of submission throughout life. And at the end of the day, although you may be submitting to your husband, your husband is always submitting to God, which is most important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So during your journey as coaches, what would you say some of the biggest struggles you've seen um, that couples have been dealing with lately? Yeah, I would say... um out the gate, one of the biggest things I've noticed is communication. Mm-hmm. There's always a, there, there's a communication breakdown and that, and that kind of levels out into a number of different sort of factors and areas uh, where the communication sort of breaks down. But um, it's generally something along the lines of my husband or my wife, you know, doesn't communicate. Usually it's the husband that doesn't communicate. Mm-hmm. And I'm always, that's always interesting to me. I'm like, really? Because human beings are like, broadcast antennas unless we're dead we're communicating something right or dead or sleep right you're in a coma okay cool and not, not so much you can not so much you can communicate there other than help me right but if you're alive you're always communicating something so the breakdown may be you're not picking up what is being communicated or if you are you probably don't really like it so you don't want to touch it because guys kind of have this ugly default of retreating when 
they feel like they can't win a battle. They'll go in, I call it man caving, right? They, they kind of retreat, shut down and kind of, all right, they become kind of passive to whatever the, the issue is. And oftentimes that's viewed as sort of not caring or whatever, which it can be, but most of the time it's communicating, okay, I'm done with this. <laughs> so there is communication occurring. We're just not understanding with it. And, and so that's why, uh, you know, with our, our bliss method, we kind of try to bridge that gap be like, hey, there's communication coming. We just need to pay attention and figure it out and kind of decode because men have code just like women have code. And you got <laughs> you, you to learn about each other's code to really understand it. It's like this interview. If I was speaking Chinese, like, I don't know if you're fluent in Mandarin or anything, but I'm not. <laughs> no, right. So no, I'd be talking and you'd be talking, but neither one of us would be understanding what the other person's mm-hmm. saying. So it's a two-way street. So yeah. Oh, that was beautiful. I think we focus um, so much on love languages, we forget to focus on communication languages. Yeah. And, and I think that is basically what you described. And it, it can go different ways. And I know my husband and I, one of our growing pains was just learning how to communicate because we are not necessarily people who yell at each other because yeah. we just don't. He <laughs> didn't get yelled at growing up, but there is a tone in his voice and there's a tone in my voice where he says, I'm yelling and I say he's yelling, but none of us are actually raising our voice, but it's to understand the different things. Mm -hmm. So because I'm a lawyer, my way of, I think he says, it's more like my lawyer tone, like how I would start in court and I don't yell at anybody in court, but that for him is enough to be yelling. And I think it's important to understand. And like you said, listen to what each other is saying, because learning to actually sit and have the conversation is just as important. And like you said, you know, men tend to sort of pull back, but I think you have some women, I, I would put my hand up, who, because I argue at work, there is no room for me to go. I'm like, I'm not in this. Okay, then I'm just going to leave this conversation because I'm tired of talking and I can't talk anymore. So it's important to just make that active decision to stay in the communication so that you don't go to bed angry and then you wake up angry and you know you're pulling the covers over and looking at the person in the yeah. middle of the night with a little bit of attitude when their eyes are closed. So I think communication is really important. And I saw on your Instagram you guys coined the bliss method. Tell us about that. What is that and how does it work? So the bliss method is our five-step process to creating more intimacy and less friction in Christian marriages. We really designed it as like a roadmap to help you diagnose maybe where you are. Uh, We give you insight and tips on how to move from one step of the process to the next. And it's all about just creating a marriage the way that God designed. Um, yeah. Do you have anything? Yep. So yeah, just a roadmap with some uh, self-assessment yeah. uh, in the process. I would say it really, uh, I think it's really effective and it prevents people from a lot of times we end up talking past each other. Like both mm-hmm. sides aren't really listening to what's really the heart of what's really being said, be it a breakdown and how, you know, one spouse is, is trying to say what they mean to say, maybe they're not saying it, or, you know, you'll see people they'd rather kind of beat around the bush on certain issues or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's like, Bliss method kind of cuts all that out. Like, let's get to the meat. Let's get to the heart of it. So we can begin to find some ways we can move forward and really change your marriage into what God intended for it to be. So, yeah, we say it's you go from feeling like roommates back to soulmates. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Roommates back to soulmates. And I think one of the things that I can echo on is a lot of times, even if it's not in your marriage outside, and that's where self assessment 
is very important is that you may be a person who just listens to respond. Mm -hmm. So because you listen to respond, you're not actually hearing what somebody is saying because you're in your head trying to respond quickly to what somebody says. And I think that is just probably as a lawyer, that's sort of a default setting for me. <laughs> My husband did a deb did debate growing up internationally. So that's sort of a default okay. setting for him. So it's the active trying to make sure that you're actively listening, not mm. to come up with a response, but actually hearing what mm. you say, what each other is saying. And I think one thing that we've come to learn is that I'm sorry goes such a long way, mm -hmm. even if, because because I, I, I try to, I know when I've gone too far in mm -hmm. any sort of conversation. So my thing is, let me stop talking before I go too far because I know I can go too far and I don't want to because yeah. I respect you. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to go and stop talking for now. <laughs> well, I can calm back down so I can talk to you like a sane person. So yeah. sometimes it, it's good to know what your triggers are as well. And while you're working on your triggers, know what you need to do in communicating that with your spouse so that they can understand that that's something you need to do for you guys to have a cohesive right. cohesive time. <laughs> yeah. So how would you say, you know, self-assessment and self-awareness plays a part in marriage? Very, very important. I think it's, I mean, honestly, I, I, I think any change for the better begins there. Um, if you want to improve your marriage, that's where you start. As a rational person, you have to ask yourself, how am I contributing to the issue? Whatever that issue looks like. How am I, even if you feel like this is a hundred percent your spouse's fault, ask your stop, try to remove yourself from the emotions of the situation because when emotions are high, rationale is depleted, yeah. right? How am I contributing? What am I doing that's making XYZ, the problem, mm -hmm. I think, is such a big, and that's why it's the first letter to be become self aware, like learn about yourself, learn about your conflict management style, learn about your love languages, learn, you need to understand all of that. So, I mean, just the term trigger, right? There, there may be something that you, you haven't even explored yet that just the word hits you the wrong way. And all of a sudden, you know, boom, emotions are up. It's all, everything's elevated and blown way out of proportion. But to even hear somebody say, oh, you know, you're overreacting is offensive. But it's like, are you? You need to separate yourself. Try to try to get away from the emotions of, you know, the tension, everything that's going on. And let's see how my thoughts, words and actions are contributing to the issue in my marriage. Anything you want to add? 100% to what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> that That is that is really good. Now, earlier you mentioned um, to me that you have two little ones. Mm -hmm. Does your communication change or your communication style change for, um, let's say, whilst your wife is pregnant and full of hormones, <laughs> you know, when she's just a new mom and dealing with the crying, screaming baby? How does your communication change with the ebbs and flow of life? Yep. So as a guy, from a guy's perspective, I always try to be, which is... Uh, was not a strong suit for me, just my personality type. I don't rate very high on empathy, but I've learned. <laughs> she can, I think she, I think she would say the same thing. I've learned to sort of um, always try to look at something from somebody else's point of view, right? I can never be a woman. I don't care what 
society tries to tell me like there's not enough there's nothing they can do to turn me into an actual woman right so understanding that i'll only understand her to a degree when it comes to that sort of a thing so i just kind of try and read her i think that's the key for me is like how's she doing like and she and she does well to to try and keep things at an even keel right and i think she got a lot of that she does for me but at the same time um yeah so like it's every phase of life is like completely different like if she's pregnant or whatever like you know you try to spoil her a bit more you know or take it easy you know uh at one point i went and got my mom from my mom's up in michigan i went and got her and brought her down here for a few weeks like she'll take care of you you know everything's gonna be all right kind of a thing you know i I think most guys kind of have a sort of softer approach i think babies kind of do that to us too um (laughs) and, and everything um but uh ultimately she does come first so even if you know the kids are kids can cause a little tension all right and i'm gonna put that lightly i'm gonna put that lightly kids can cause some tension but understanding that she's my wife before there were my kids period and so she comes first and that's always kind of laugh it's like the men are the disciplinarians and it's like this evil role but it's not like you wouldn't let an adult disrespect your wife don't let your kids disrespect your wife because mm-hmm. that's still your wife even though it's her kids too <laughs> yeah. she's my wife before they her kids so you know what I mean? <laughs> but, <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of understanding man and and uh man and, and, and kids are really transformative in that sense too you kind of you kind of pick up on some sensitivities and things like that so it changes a little bit it changes a little bit but we're not we don't fight with each other so (laughs) we we have conversations we have conversations Conversations. (laughs) very productive very productive i love the way different couples talk about their um conversations or their debates or their um Mm -hmm. i think my bishop calls it intense fellowship yeah. <laughs> um, it's always a different name for it <laughs> and a smile which is um always puts a smile on my face i can't believe that i've been talking to you for so long i have so many more questions <laughs> that i want to go through um but i don't think we have the time so before we go i'm probably going to ask you two more questions okay. the first question i want to ask is what is the best way to keep the fire burning in your marriage through life, through kids, through everything, what would you say is the best way to keep the fire burning in your marriage? I would say number one, prioritizing your spouse. Mm -hmm. There's going to be so many things that come up in life, Mm -hmm. so many, and you need to have your priorities in order. Understand like, like for us, it's God marriage than our family because when we know what our priorities are we know what we can say no to because Mm -hmm. it's not in alignment with our priorities and our values Mm -hmm. because if we let our if we let our relationship with god down like one that's horrible (laughs) if we let our relationship with our spouse down like it's just everything underneath (laughs) it kind of turns into chaos yeah so (laughs) understanding your priorities your values prioritizing your spouse above the other little things in life, I think is really important. Yep. And then be intentional about if you want the fire going, right? If I want, let's say I got a fireplace, then I'd really like a fire in my fireplace. Bro, go out and get you some logs, go out and get you, you know, get you some kindling, figure out a way to get the bag. So, so, so I think it's a matter of uh, prioritize, not just your spouse, prioritize sex, uh, mm-hmm. prioritize date nights, things like that. You have to be, I, I would say everything starts with being intentional about it. I mean, 
you know, people get busy and, and, and things kind of come up and it's like, whatever you prioritize still gets done. It doesn't really matter how busy, like, oh, you know, very few people, man, I haven't eaten since yesterday at two o'clock. Really? Like, I know you're hungry. You know, you, you prioritize that you don't miss a meal too much unless something really crazy happens. So it's like, have that same energy. <laughs> but when it comes to romance and, and the spark in the marriage. So I think, yeah, what's what's inspected gets done. So not what's expected. So I think if you really just prioritize it, make it a thing, make it a big deal, because it is a big deal. And then, you know, it, it works out for the better. So yeah. Those are two really great ones. Um, prioritize your spouse and be intentional. One yeah. thing I know that the older generation likes to say is how you got her is how you keep her and vice versa. So all of the things that you used to do when you were dating, mm-hmm. I tell my husband this when we were, well, we were dating during COVID. So that was always interesting. <laughs> A lot, lot of screen time dates, but when we could get yeah. back out into the open, we did a lot of picnics. It wasn't expensive. My husband really likes to cook and bake. He'll just pick me up and have like a, a, a spray of food and we'll go to the beach because we're on an island and we'll have a picnic. And those little things that, you know, weren't costly still are core memories in our relationship. Things that I look forward to doing with our kids when we have them, you know, going on picnics and even just with me and him some more because I enjoy that. So I think it's really important. Now, before I let you go, <laughs> let me know your top tips for improving your marriage using biblical principles. Yeah, so the top one is love and respect. We already touched on that earlier. Yeah. Find it in Ephesians 5. Women, love your husband or respect your husbands mm-hmm. and husbands, love your wives. Yeah. Um, I would say a big one that sort of gets overlooked is grace. Yeah. Um, I've heard uh, a lot of women spe- in specifics, uh, I know I'm like bleeding in shark infested waters here, but I've heard a lot of women say, I'll submit to a man that's uh, worth yeah. being submitted to. <laughs> okay. I hear you. But what if a man said, you know, I only love you when you earn my love. Oh, okay. And it's like, uh, now we're in, now we're in, you know, we're in a, a weird Dangerous territory. Yeah, we're in a weird gray zone here, but it's like, I always try to see the other side of the coin. No man worth his salt would be like, well, Mark's got to learn my love this morning. And she don't, if she don't, you know, she burned the toast, you know, I don't love her, you know, something stupid like that. Nobody would take him seriously, but a lot of women hold their men hostage. Like, well, if he ain't acting, whatever your arbitrary standard for him to act, if he's not meeting that standard, well, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, you know, whatever. And it's, it's like this, uh, we're in a weird zone. And honestly, I prayed about this because I wanted an effective way to, to let people, to give people to think about this. And it's like, okay, the Lord kind of took me to the scriptures and said, what does it say about husbands loving your wife? It says, as Christ loved the church. Mm-hmm. And he said, at what point did the church earn my love? Mm. You didn't. It's just the grace of God. We all come through the grace of God. And it's like that same level of grace is intended for wives to have for their husbands, which is, you know, earlier when she said, you know, free your husband to make some mistakes. Mm -hmm. That's grace. That's all grace. Like, okay, yeah, he's going to screw some things up or yeah, you know, she might say something that rubbed me the wrong way at the wrong moment or whatever. That doesn't change the overall dynamic of our relationship. There's grace. We need to we need to have that grace to allow each other 
to be themselves, to just live instead of walking on eggshells and, you know, <laughs> and kind of shutting your marriage down. So um, grace is a huge one. Grace is a huge one. You got one more. I think she asked for three. You asked for three, right? I think that was. Those, those were those were three, unless you have another one. Okay. Well, we we did have one more. It's uh, called leaving and cleaving. Oh yeah. Ooh. Go ahead. Ooh. So this is when you marry your spouse, like the how does the verse go? The man is to leave his father and mother and, and cleave to his wife. wife. Yeah. So we got to be careful not to let our parents, our in-laws, our outlaws, our outlaws, <laughs> anybody affect mm-hmm. our marriage. Your, mm-hmm. your marriage is between you and your spouse, not between you and your mom and your spouse, <laughs> you and your sister and your spouse. Mm-hmm. You and your spouse are the team now. Mm-hmm. That's good. That is really good. So we have love and respect. Mm-hmm. grace and leave and cleave and they are all very important points i think on the point of grace um one of my friends sort of explained it to us when we were you know getting married newly married still newly married but she said if you look at your marriage like a child you've been married for 6 months you wouldn't expect a 6 month old to know anything It's a learning and growing and teaching and it's constant and it's evolving. And that's what your marriage should be. So grace and having that is very important. And I I echo your sentiments on leave and cleave. I think it's important if your family doesn't know how to create boundaries. We were really blessed because our family kind of created their own immediate boundaries. (laughs) (laughs) They were just like, okay. Well, you're married. I think my in-laws say the broom only sweeps one way. So get out. <laughs> we don't need to see you anymore. Um, so, and my, my mom as well and, and my dad. So I think that, you know, benefit us, benefited us, but making sure that if you don't have people who are, you know, overstepping those boundaries, you draw clear lines mm-hmm. because it is, like you said, it, it's you and your husband or you and your wife against the world at this point and mm-hmm. then certain things in your marriage stay in your marriage they're not for anybody's opinions thoughts mm-hmm. positive comments or negative comments mm-hmm. unless it's something that the two of you discuss, um decided that hey you know what we think we need more wisdom from somebody else it's something that you keep in your marriage so this has been a phenomenal phenomenal conversation i have really enjoyed it I feel like I can sit here and talk at least another hour at minimum with you, but I know the time has come to let you go. So before you go, please tell us a way that we could connect with you um, via social media and definitely how we can work with you for anybody listening who is like, you know what? I think I need a marriage coach. Tell us your details. So of course you can connect to us on Instagram um, at Sheldon and Leah Robinson. Um, You can also connect to us via our blog, sheldonandleahrobinson.com, either in the link in our bio, or there is a page on our website um, where you can actually apply for a free marriage strategy session with us. Um, In the session, we help you identify what area in your marriage kind of needs needs some work on, um, we'll help you identify, like create a vision for what you want is to mar- your marriage to look like and help mm-hmm. you create goals to help you get there. Yep. And I would just say, um, it's Leah without an H for anybody right. that's, <laughs> for anybody that's kind of <laughs> typing and searching. So L E A, so Sheldon and Leah, L E A Robinson.com. So. Mm-hmm.
Okay. And of course, I will put all of the links in the show notes, guys. So you can just click a link and it'll take you directly to everything that Leah and Sheldon has just told you about their links to connect. Definitely connect with them. Tell them that you heard them on the podcast. Sheldon and Leah, this has been absolutely great. Thank you for being here. And I feel like I probably will ask you back at some point for a part two so we can finish the conversation. (laughs) Absolutely. And we are we're down for that. Um, this has been wonderful talking to you. Thanks for having us on and we really enjoyed it. Excellent talk. And um, yeah, God bless all you guys. Yeah, God bless you guys. <laughs> all right, guys. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Pray Plan Slave podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe. And also be sure to leave a comment, leave a review, let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you liked from this episode, what you like from the show. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Pray Plan Slave Podcast, or you can follow me, your host, Shantae Sapphire, at Shantae Sapphire on Instagram. And the podcast is also on Facebook at PrayPlanSlay.com. We're on Twitter at Shantae Sapphire. All that information will be below in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you.